powerful supplication and supplication and substitution that Mary's done the death of limited in mercy and grace. Even as he said through the thief died on the cross beside him, the day you will be with me in paradise, he said to all others who will believe, all others who will turn to him and say, Lord, remember me. All who will turn to him and say that, hear the same answer. This is the glorious message of the cross and forgiveness. Today, you will be with me in paradise. When you come to the end of your way, and your final day is here, this is the day. When you stand in that day, your victory is in the words of Jesus Christ. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And then he vindicated that message. He proved that message. He substantiated that message when he rose from the dead. There's a lot more I plan to say about the glory of Jesus. And, 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 and frankly, I, I kind of skipped over it because I wanted to come to this place and say to you what the real value of today is. Jesus went to the cross and paid a debt that he did not owe. So that my debt, which I owed but could not pay, could be covered. So Calvary and the cross are so closely integrated that the message is Jesus died and rose again for the sins of the world so that you can meet him and know him and come to experience the full favor of his life in your life, making you full, whole, and complete. And giving you the answers that you search for. Giving you the questions, the answer to the questions that you, the questions of life, you may call them. But the answer to every one of them is in Jesus Christ. And that is proven by the power of his cross and by the power of his resurrection. The glorious Jesus. And this is a part of his glory. Dying on the cross. It doesn't seem that way. But when, when we talk about Calvary, we're not talking about a place of defeat. We're talking about a place of suffering. We certainly aren't talking about a place of denial. We're talking about a place like no other in the horrendous experience that happened there. But we're not talking about a defeat. When Jesus died on the cross, he was not defeated. He was defeating the enemy. When God said, way back in the Old Testament, a word of prophecy to the serpent who was the devil, he said, there will come a time, and he was speaking of that day when Golgotha would be filled with people who were crying out against and for Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, on that day, you will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, that being Jesus. But you will only bruise his heel, and he will crush your head. So Jesus paid a price. The wounding of his heel, he paid a price. But his price was the price of victory. And in that death, Jesus accomplished victory that was substantiated and proven vindicated, declared, made manifest when he came forth from the dead. 
That rising from the dead was a declaration that it was worth dying on the cross so that the sins of anyone in the world who comes to him would be forgiven and be prepared to meet him in heaven and spend eternity in his presence. Hallelujah. So that day, that day, they took him down from the cross. He was dead. There was no question about it. He was dead. They even checked him. Normally they broke the legs of those hanging on the cross to make sure that they died in that last final act of suffering. Well, they went to check Jesus about breaking his legs. They didn't need to because they said he's already dead. That time, in his death, before the resurrection, a Roman officer looked on him and said, truly, this was the Son of God. The only place he missed it was, he said, this was the Son of God. And he should have said, this is the Son of God. They, they took him down from the cross. Joseph of Arimathea had offered to put him in his own tomb. So he took Jesus and put him in the borrowed tomb. And they laid him in the tomb and left him there because it was the end of the Sabbath day. And it was, it was prohibited by the law. But Jesus was now breaking, rendering asunder, fulfilling. But still they were under the law in their own concept. So because they couldn't do anything for his body on that day, they laid him there without the oils and the, and the, and the essence of the embalming uh, uh, things that they usually put upon him to preserve the body. And they left his grave, left him there. The Roman soldiers rolled a stone over to seal the tomb so that nobody could come and take him away and say that he had risen. And they would start to preach that he had risen in a deceitful way. They really believed that they had him contained in the tomb. They really believed they had him held there. I think the devil believed he had him held there as well. I think there was a message sent out that they expected to permeate the world and to stand forever. Jesus Christ of Nazareth was defeated on the cross. He died, and we put him in the tomb, and you will find the remnants of his body there. But they were wrong, my friends. They were totally and completely wrong. They lost it all. I'm talking about the devil and all his cohorts and enemies, including the Romans who insisted in this degrading death. When they took him and put him in the tomb, they left him there, and they walked away. The disciples walked away sorrowfully and sadly. None of them at that time remembered that Jesus had told them again and again, that he would not only die and pay a price for sin, but he would also rise again. And as many times as he had told them that, they didn't get it. They walked away sadly. As many times they had seen the glory of Jesus manifested in his life on earth, they didn't get it. It didn't sink in. And admittedly, it's a huge, huge, enormous thing to grasp. We kind of speak about it and take it for granted. But when you sit down and think about it, you think that this message that we teach, this, this experience that we have, this life that we practice following Christ is based upon the fact that he came from the dead. Because if he did not rise from the dead, everything that we preach is worthless. 
If he didn't rise from the dead, we're speaking in vain. If he didn't rise from the dead, I should sit down and shut up and never say anything about it again. That's what Paul said. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, because there is a resurrection, then we're miserable. Our faith is in vain. Our preaching is untrue. If this is not a fact. But my friend... If you want to live this life of the resurrected Christ, you have to experience what he said and believe what he said. And this is what he said for you. You who think this, well, it's just an occasion. It's Easter Sunday. Oh, this is when, this is the Sunday of the resurrection. We're talking about a man who lived, a man who was killed, who died, whose very closest followers knew that he was dead and laid him in the tomb and allowed the Roman soldiers to roll the stone over the front of the tomb. What did matter? He was dead and gone, and that was it. We're talking about somebody who was dead Friday evening, put in the tomb, there through Friday night, there through Saturday, there through Saturday night. And then, as the songwriter said, Lo, in the grave he lay, Jesus, my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus, my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose. Christ Jesus arose from the dead. Hallelujah. And he proved it again and again and again that he'd risen from the dead. His disciples saw him 12 different times and knew it was him. Realized it was him. They had to be shown so much because they had doubted so much. And they doubted so that we wouldn't have to doubt. So now, what you and I have to do is believe that Jesus is Jesus. And that God raised him from the dead. Paul the Apostle said, if you would be saved, then you must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That means the reality of Jesus. That means his virgin birth. That means his sinless life. That means his original standing with Father God. That he is the Son of God himself. And he came from the realms of glory to the darkness of earth to provide a sacrifice for us. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe the message of Jesus. And you must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Because without believing that God has raised him from the dead, there is no basis for faith. It's all a fallacy. It's all an untruth. It's all just a myth. It's all just a fairy tale. Without that, But that is true. And if you want to substantiate that by facts beyond the Bible, I never needed any more than the Bible, but if you need more than the Bible, I understand that. That's why so many people have researched this message. That's why the book, The Case for Christ, is out now. You can get it and read it. There are others who have researched it equally so, professors in college who've researched it. And the verdict always comes back by honest men. The verdict always comes back. There is more proof for the resurrection.
resurrection of Jesus Christ than for any other fact testified to in the world today. And I believe it. I believe it because we know that the reality of Jesus is true for an individual. We find one thing when we come to him. When we didn't know him, now we know him. We find out by our own personal experience that he's real because he makes a difference. He changes a life. And when you come to him, the burden is lifted. Life changes. And you know that Jesus Christ is alive and living in you. Amen. Praise God. The one thing, the one thing, if you go from here today with no other, this isn't just a holiday. It isn't just about hiding eggs and visiting with Easter bunnies. This today is about the reality of life, my friends. This is about the reality of life. This is what you're going to want to know is true. Without question, without doubt, without any edge of uncertainty, this is what you're going to want to know is true. When you come to that last day, whether it's early in your life or late in your life, whenever it is, when you come to that last day and you are ready to stand before God, you want to know that Jesus Christ still alive, has you by the hand, and is taking you up to introduce you to Father God. That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. So Jesus is alive. He's alive and well, thank you. He isn't sick. He isn't dissipated. The only thing that shows, I believe, as a result of all of that that he did for us, is that there's a print of the nails in his hands. And when you see those print of the nails in your hand, his hands, and you will see him if you live for him, if you come to Christ and serve him, you will see him. There'll come a day when you'll be in his presence. He'll call you into his presence forever. All of us are going to be there. That's a throne that every one of us will visit. Not one of us will miss it. Not one of us. Because it's appointed to every one of us to meet God at some time. At some time. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. That doesn't mean a horrible thing, judgment. It can be a glorious thing. I believe that the resurrection takes the sting, the fear, the pain of uncertainty out of death. And I can say that from personal experience. There is no fear in dying if your total trust is in Jesus Christ. Nineteen eighty eight in Winston Salem, North Carolina, I was told that I had better chance of dying than I had of living. My family was called in after that, I'd been diagnosed with acute promyelocytic leukemia. And they thought they were talking to me for the last time, and so did I. They gave me all kinds of medication, different kind of protocols, experimental things that they were having. And maybe those experimental things worked. I don't know. All I know is that God brought me back, and I'm better off today than I ever was. But, but this, this is what I want to tell you. A lot of things I preach that I've never personally experienced, but I have been in the throes of death. I 
have stood at the edge of darkness, that uncertainty that we believe but haven't yet experienced, haven't yet experienced, I've stood there. I've been eyeball to eyeball and nose to nose with the certainty of death, believing, people believing I was going to die. And I'm telling you that to tell you this one thing. I, I suffered, yes. I experienced a lot of things I didn't want to have to experience. But one thing I did not experience, not ever, and this is the truth. This is the truth as I stand before God. But I was told that I probably was going to die. The way the doctor put it was, we may be able to cure you if we don't kill you while we're doing it. That's not very hopeful. But this is what I want to tell you. Not one single moment in all that time of being in intensive care and going through all this treatment and wondering if it's going to be successful. The people expecting blood to start pouring out of my eyes and my nose and my mouth and my ears at any time. It didn't, but they expected it. They said to expect that. And so when they said all of that, and I was, I believed in the very hands of death, but I also knew at the same time I was in the hands of Jesus of Nazareth, the resurrected Savior. And I, and I will tell you this, as honest a statement as I've ever made in my life, not one moment in all of that time was I afraid to die? Not one moment. Not one moment. I never, I never said, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I never even inside myself said, oh my, oh my, oh my. Never, never. And I don't say this because of me. I say this because of the Savior who gave me that assurance. I say this because of the Jesus who rose from the dead and guaranteed me, which I believed, and I still believe, that in him I will live forever. So I say to you today, I say if you put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, you settle your destiny for eternity with him. That covers it. Once and for all, that covers it with him. And if you want to be ready to meet God, Jesus has made that way possible. Every one of us has made that way possible. I do not know where you stand today with God, but you know. You need to be honest with yourself, my friends. You need to be honest. Don't make excuses for yourself. You don't need to. There's no need to. You don't have to do anything to do what he said. Believe with your confessor of the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. And if that's a difficult thing for you to believe, God will help you to do it if you want it to. And so, friends, I'll ask you right now, please, to stand with me. And stay where you are, please, as you stand. Hold your position ready. I'll ask you, please, to bow your heads. As we get ready to pray, I'm not saying anything to try to mislead you or misguide you. Certainly not in any way to perform any trickery on you. I just want you, I want you to know that if you want prayer as a result of what you've heard here today, and you believe this message is true, that it's the Word of God, and you want it applied to your life, while nobody's looking around, please, and all eyes are closed, please. I want everybody to know that you have the right of privacy right here now in these next couple of moments. If you want to say, please pray for me, I need to know that Jesus is my Savior in my life. Just raise your hand right now, please. Over this congregation. Anyway, I see your hand back there. 